1: Thank you, JJ. And I also want to thank all my listeners from around the world. Never, ever give up hope is now heard in close to 100 countries. And I am thrilled to know that no matter where we are on this planet, people are looking for words of encouragement, for words of hope. And every single one of my guests have had an incredible story to share of some time in their life when they've had to overcome trauma, and they've had to overcome tragedy, and they have done it, and they have triumphed. And that's why they are here to share the story of how they did that, how they got through, what helped them get through. And their stories are wonderful and encouraging to each of us, and I thank each one of them. We're not immune as humans to problems in our lives, but it's our attitude that helps us get through those times. I'm so thankful today I have a special lady whose story is unique, but it also will probably speak to many people out there who have gone through similar circumstances. And that is she lost two of her children Through a car accident and she wasn't even in the country at the time so this is going to be an amazing story that Angela Alexander is going to share with us today. Angela is an author and a speaker. On April the 1st, 2000, while Angela was in Japan on military duty, her husband and four children were involved in a fatal car crash. Their car fell 25 feet off the highway and landed upside down on two parked vehicles with people inside. And two of Angela's sons did not survive the crash. Now unbeknown to Angela, both of her sons had left behind incredible goodbye letters to their family And that's why I said initially that this is a unique story, because in Angela's grief, which she is going to share with us, came a remarkable discovery, and it helped heal and restore Angela. Welcome, Angela.
2: Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here with you today.
1: Thank you. Now, let's start with that day, Angela. Where were you? How how did you get the news? Tell us what happened.
2: I was in Japan on military duty, I'm an Air Force in the Reserve, and I was working with a group of people in the warehouse, and Lieutenant Mavecchi came up and said, Angela, I need to speak with you. Well, it was April Fool's weekend, so I just thought somebody was playing a practical joke, and I just, you know, I didn't want to be the joke of the day. So we just thought, but I just saw the seriousness on his face, and we just started walking and talking about nothing, and in, we end up at the office, and inside was a man who was introduced as a priest. And another lady from my unit was nervously shaking holding this paperwork from the red cross and he 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 proceeded to tell me uh, that my family had been in a car accident and my two eight-year-old sons didn't survive. and i'm telling you from the looks on their faces i knew this was no joke and i was just immediately i didn't know what to think and they allowed me to call my family I called my husband, but he was in no shape to speak with me. I called my daughter. She knew about the car crash, but at the time, she didn't know that her brothers had passed away.
1: Oh, my goodness.
2: Yes. And they were just waiting for the right time to tell her. And I, I me being so far away, I was told not to tell her because I wasn't there to console her. Yes. And it was just so unbelievable. And... I couldn't believe how at peace I was because, you know, we all get the question, you know, what would happen if something, you know, what would you do if something happened to your children or your child? Right. And I always remember saying, oh, I would go crazy. You have to lock me up. And you know what, Carl? when it happened, I couldn't believe how at peace I was. I couldn't believe how at ease I was. And on that plane ride home, I kept pinching myself. Because I couldn't believe I still knew the alphabet. I just didn't understand that. I didn't understand why I didn't go crazy or self-predicted.
1: Do you think that partly that was shock? Exactly. I, I think I was being prepared
2: with my faith um, because people kept asking me, you know, are you in shock or you just so removed because we're so far away that it's not connecting? And and I and I had to ask, you know, sometimes you have to check your own self.
1: <laughs> right.
2: I had to check my own self and and say, you know, why do I know the why do I know the alphabets? Why do I know my social security number if my children pass? And and I truly believe uh, it is my faith because if I had if I had um went crazy this testimony that I'm now sharing would not exist. And then when I went home, my, my two girls who survived and my husband, they would have followed my downward spiral, and this would be one untold devastating story.
1: Is there anything else you want to share with what you were going through when you first received the news?
2: You know, when I first received the news, I just received this overwhelming sense of peace that came over me that I couldn't explain. And I've heard this phrase all the time, that peace just surpasses your understanding. And truly, I never experienced that peace, although I read about it and I heard about it over the years. I never experienced that peace until that day, because that truly was the peace that surpassed my limited understanding.
1: Mm. And
2: I am forever grateful for that.
1: So you arrived home. You are in shock, obviously. How did you handle the day-by-day coping, and how long did it take for you Basically, for the uh, the shock to wear off and the reality to set in, and what did you do to help like you had your you also had your children who were alive and had been in the hospital along with your husband. so there must have been a lot of emotional things going on. so walk us through that.
2: It was a lot of emotional things going on, but you know the biggest shock to me was that I did not go crazy as I self predicted. I was, and people were looking at me and watching me and waiting for my world to fall apart. Mm. And we all was in shock that that didn't happen. And I couldn't understand that at the time. It blew my mind as much as everybody else that I didn't go crazy. And I was self-assessing myself and, you know, checking in with myself, trying to make sure, am I okay? Because... People thought that because I was so far away that I was disconnected. That's why I didn't go crazy. Or because I was so far away, I didn't really understand the gravity of what happened. But all I can say is God gave me that peace that, that was beyond my understanding. And it's hard for me to explain. And I okay. know a lot of people want me to say, you know, I went crazy. But that's not what happened in my particular case. That's amazing and it's amazing to me too and um, but when i when, when i i prayed to god you know for a, a letter something from roger and god told me to search it. when i went into the bedrooms i went through their books on the shelves And I went through their clothes in the closet and I took their mattress and I flipped it upside down looking for what I didn't know. And it was so funny because my cousin was watching me and she said, oh, I knew he was going crazy. I knew he was going to go crazy. And I said, (laughs) said, I'm not going crazy. I'm looking for something. And she said, what are you looking for? Why did I say, I don't know? (laughs) Uh. And she said, well, maybe the people with the white straitjackets, they can come help you find it. And I didn't know what I was looking for, but... Um, And I didn't find it at home. It wasn't until that evening when I went to their school and I found found the letter.
1: What about your children and your husband? What did they have to deal with? And how did you help them?
2: One good thing about the whole situation is when our car, they were driving down the highway and a car cut in front of them and then they entered this construction zone where there was a sign that said fines double in this area. And the person that cut in front of them Put on their brakes so severely that it caused my husband to have to severe to, to the to the to the um, center of the divider to oh, okay, avoid okay. hitting that car. And then that car kept going on. We don't even know if that car even knew what happened. And so as a result, our car hit the center divider. Oh. And at that point in time, my husband and our four children were knocked unconscious. And then our car went backwards across that highway and fell twenty five feet below and landed upside down on top of two of the park vehicles with people inside those cars wow but the but the thing about it was when when they were knocked unconscious, when you're unconscious there's nothing to recall, so they had no memory mm-hmm. my, my husband had no memory of the car crash, and that was a good thing because therefore they didn't have any they had they didn't have any nightmares of what had happened because they had, there was nothing to recall.
1: What about afterwards? Like, especially the two girls.
2: Exactly. So, my girls, um, they behaved very differently. My foster daughter, um, she behaved um, by pretending that the boys were still here. That was how she coped with oh. it. Because she had been through other things in her life. That's the reason why she was a foster child. So, she just pretends that everything is okay and nothing happened. And that's her coping skills. And my daughter, Angela she was extremely angry at God at the world she was actually angry she was actually angry at me too because I wasn't angry I you know okay I didn't trust God and so she you know when you know when you're when you know misery loves company right <laughs> so, exactly and so she wanted me to be she wanted me to join her pity party and when I didn't and wouldn't um... You know, it was it, and I kept telling her, you know, listen, you going to get on this train or, or get out the way because I had received Maurice's letter and I received Roger. I received Roger's letter. So those letters gave me the peace that I had been searching and believing for. That's amazing. But, but she didn't quite see it that way. So we had to work through that. And um, if she could have won the battle, if I was weak and she was strong, you know, she would have pulled me another direction. But, you know. Because I'm a strong individual, too. Mm-hmm. Eventually, she was able to see the miracles and and be, you know, and be okay. Not never okay with it, but she was able to cope with it much better than before.
1: But obviously, you have lived through, as you mentioned, a miracle. Just being able to cope as you cope, to be able to keep yourself together and not fall apart, to have a peace and an understanding and a, a comfort and a calm And I'm sure that you extended that to your family as well and your friends, who probably maybe some of them were falling apart just because of the devastating circumstances. Is that correct? That's correct. So how can you encourage someone who has possibly gone through losing a child in an instant death like you have? Do you have any words that you can share?
2: Well, for me, when what happened for me to, to turn my test into a testimony was while I, when I was writing my son's memorial program, that's when God said, Angela, their letters were written to soothe your soul, but more important to share. And at that point... I said, God, I'm not an author. I'm not a speaker. I am definitely, and I'm definitely, definitely not a public speaker. I am not going to get up and talk about this every time somebody asks me. And for months, I walked in disobedience. I, But during that time, I couldn't hardly eat. I couldn't hardly sleep. You know when you're supposed to be doing something, you just don't do it? Because you just have a, I just gave God a laundry list of why I couldn't, shouldn't, wouldn't. Finally, after six months of complaining, I woke up and I said, I surrender all. And I had to just start and at that point, I just started um, writing down my story, just writing down my what happened because I knew the story was worthy to be told. But I was like, who am I to stand in front of people and deliver such a powerful message, such a powerful testimony? And then I had to, you know, get out of myself and just say, you know, even if I get up on stage and fall apart, I'm going to do what I needed to do. And... I started writing my autobiographies, and I just took one day at a time. And the good thing about computers today, you can just cut and paste. People say, where should I start? You just start wherever your heart leads you and just cut and paste. And don't worry about editing and all that. And that's how I started um, turning my test into a testimony.
1: So do you think that writing is good therapy? Is that what you're saying? Even if you're not going to publish it, was that therapy for you?
2: extreme therapy for me and actually what it did was this is the first time I was able to just almost lay my life in front of me and as I was writing I said oh that's why. that's why I went through that event 10 years ago 15 years 20 years ago because this prepared me for that this prepared me for this if I hadn't gone through that 15 years ago I wouldn't be able to you know deal with what's in front of me right now so it kind of connected all the dots to can let me can, know where I
1: am right now. Can you give us maybe a, a one of those experiences?
2: Yes, one of one of the experiences is uh, my sister actually passed away in 1996, and that was the first time I ever had to deal with grief. Not not grief, but well, that's the first time the very a very close person, right? Um, that that you- I had to deal with that affected me right dearly. I mean. I said, when my sister died, that was the first time I ever felt my heart because it, cause it broke into a million little pieces. And it was four years later to my son's past. But the lessons I learned in those four years was that love never dies. The lessons I learned in those four years helped me extremely um, when it came to my son's passing. Because if she hadn't passed and my sons were the first, that, that first deep mm-hmm. grief that I would have... I just, I, I, just don't think I would have been able to handle it as well as I did. So I always say that she kind of prepared. Well, the lesson I learned from her death prepared me.
1: That's amazing my, that for my son, and that you were able to understand that too, and that it actually was a help to you and to help you in your writing as well. Because i mean, you shared that story too. I'm sure, right? I did. I yes. Did. Anything else you want to share along those lines that may be something that uh, prepared you for this or or something that happened afterwards?
2: Well my, my my husband had a brain aneurysm. This is the reason why he had to stay in the hospital for a lot longer because the second year of our marriage he woke up one morning couldn't talk. He suffered a brain aneurysm at twenty four years old. Oh, my
1: goodness.
2: Yes, yes. And um just just going through that whole experience with him after his brain surgery he was in the military as well so after his brain surgery they retired him from the army and so we realized that by him having that early retirement allowed us to be two stay at home parents giving us quality and quantity with our children that we wouldn't have that we wouldn't have we we, 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 mm-hmm. we have had if he was still in the military so it's like god had just set us up for a deep connection with our children that we didn't have to share th- the eight years that we had with Maurice. We didn't have to share that with an employer. We didn't have to sh- share that mm-hmm. with a job. You know, we just had all that quality time with him in his short eight years. So just little things connected because when my husband was medically discharged from the military, we was like, why? You know, you know, we you don't know, hear that phrase. Everything happens for a reason. Mm-hmm. But we didn't know why, but it wasn't until our sons passed that we realized, oh, that's why. Now we were, because we were able to be volunteers at school, volunteers at Sunday school, you know, just with him morning, noon, and night. And we wouldn't have had that quality time with him if he was still in the military. So once I wrote my autobiography and I was writing about all this, I said, oh, that's why that happened. This is why that happened. And you can just see your whole lifespan just connect and it all makes sense.
1: That's beautiful. Now, is this what you share when you speak? And what kind of venues do you speak at like when you travel oh, okay. and you're sharing your story?
2: I speak at different churches, retreat, conference, book clubs, women fellowships, prison ministries, um, just marriage ministries, just anything that allows me to come in and just talk about turning pain into power and grief into
1: peace. And what about your book? Now, you mentioned a little bit about it as being an autobiography. And what's your audience? Like, who's your audience? Who who gets the greatest benefit, do you think, out of your book?
2: I think the people with the greatest benefit is uh, grieving okay. mothers because they, they they are where I am. I mean, they. I don't like to say people, you feel my pain because, you know, everybody's pain is different. Right. But um, their their experience is what I'm
1: experiencing or what I've experienced. So so you and, can give encouragement yeah. and strength.
2: Yes, because when you're going through this, you want to know that somebody, like the death of your child doesn't have to be the worst thing that ever happened to you if you don't allow it to be. And, they want, and when you're going through this, you want to know that somebody who's been on the other side, who's been where you are, is on the other side. Because sometimes when you're in that, people say, oh, you're going to get better. But you don't even know. If you can get up off the couch at that that moment, let alone tomorrow, or next week, or next month, at that moment, it feels like the weight of the world is on you. It feels like your heart is broken, it's, and it and it just and, and it's hard to even live for your children, the other children that you may that that you could possibly have, and it's just such a devastating thing to go through. And it's so it's so wonderful to know that somebody's on the other side that's here to encourage you and and, and motivate you to get up off of that couch and. And That's say, good. Yes, as even if you just go outside for a walk, you know, because my husband and I, we would just be on the treadmills with tears flowing down our face. We would just wake up to pillows stained, stained, just tear stained pillows from just crying all night long, and, and then waking up in the morning, a couple of seconds, you think your child is there, and to just get hit all over again, he's gone. Hmm. You know, to relive that the first couple of months, every day, you know, it's it's extremely painful, but that's that's the process of grief of going through it, but don't get stuck there. That's you know? excellent. They say when you're going through hell,
1: go through it. Don't
2: stop and take a selfie. <laughs> no.
1: I like that. So if you're going through hell, don't stop and take a take a selfie. Just keep going. <laughs> we don't want no memories of that. We just want to get go through it and get on the other side. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and now you had mentioned at one point, uh, that someone is considering turning your story into a movie. Can you share that with us?
2: Yes. I was talk. I was giving my testimony at this conference a couple of years ago called Christian Woman Who Rock. And we didn't want the men to feel excluded, so we had a men's panel. And after hearing my testimony, this uh, uh, one of the men on the panel was a producer. And he said, Angela, your testimony is absolutely fascinating. I'd love to talk to you about turning your book into a documentary film. And I'm telling you, I was so scared. I said, "No, no, no, no!" <laughs> I did just like last time, but this time I didn't wait six months. I, after three days, I called him back and I just said, "Let's do it," because what 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 was what was crazy for me because I had a vision of a movie, but this producer said a documentary, and that means the cameras in my face. and the movies, I can you know sit back and like the right. Ass, you know, but a documentary, and so that scared me, and you know. Um, and so finally, I said, okay, and got over myself. And we actually filmed the documentary uh, the summer of 2014. So uh, we had the premiere last year.
1: So what's the thrust of the documentary? Just the story? Or is or is it an encouragement for people who have gone through this kind of grief? Or what is it?
2: It's all the above. It's okay. the story. It's encouragement. It's about looking at your situation and just trusting and believing that, Whatever you're going through, it's a camouflage, we need to learn the lessons, and and go through it. And so we can help somebody else in their time of grief or their through their storm. Because, you know, we're just passing through here. That's right.
1: So is there anything else that you would like to share with the audience that you haven't at this up to this point?
2: Well, I'm excited. Thank you for having me on your show. Um, I'm excited to come and speak to any events that you might have going on that you would like to hear this amazing testimony. Um, My documentary is available, my website.
1: And what kind of response have you been having as far as the types of people who have given you feedback of how you help them?
2: Oh, my goodness. You know, just tremendous. A lot of times when people are going through stuff, they just want to know that somebody has been through it and can help them on the other side. And they're very appreciative that, you know, the book is raw and real. They Some of the stuff I talk about, they say, God, I didn't even know you was going to go that far. But I had to. I had to. I just wanted to get to my raw emotions okay, and really uh, help the people where I was at that particular time.
1: Did you go through anger at all?
2: Yes, I did when my sister passed away. I did with my sister. It was. It, I would wake up in sweat. I would wake up angry, frustrated. I would drive. I would be driving down the highway and wouldn't know where I was at or how to get home. It was. I just went through a year of just devastating pain. I just felt like a train had hit me and just left me there. You know, <laughs> left me there on the on the on the railroad tracks. It was just. Pain. It was extremely painful to the point, and that's why I was just, I was grateful when I, and it sounds crazy to say I was grateful that I went through that. But through that pain, I was able to, um, it prepared me for my sons. So when my sons passed, I didn't go through that. I didn't go through that extreme grief. Mm-hmm. I didn't, Excellent.
1: Yes, it prepared me. And then like you said, the peace that came over you which was beyond your understanding and yes. finding those letters is just amazing as well. So excellent. Excellent story. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that with us, Angela. And for you're you're very vivacious and in energizing and you certainly are not having a pity party. And you understand that what you went through, yes, it's devastating. It's extreme, it hurts, but you can get through the pain and you can see the miracle through the tragedy. Yes. So in closing, again, I thank you. Thank you. All right, and I look forward to hearing from you again.
2: Yes, thank you so much for inviting me. I was was excited and I'm glad we did this. Thank you and goodbye. Goodbye, thank you.